Father's Day. Uh, if you didn't know that, we already told you. Um, you must not have been listening. Uh, Father's Day, uh, I think of these little ones right here. And, uh, you know, I know some of you fathers, those are your kids. And uh, you think of all the things that you've been blessed with in your life. Uh, and nothing compares to your kids, right? You know, you've, um, you've been given things. God's been kind and uh, merciful to you, and uh, other people have given you gifts, but then there's your kids, Then there's your kids. And uh, what a blessing it is to be a father. Um, last Father's Day, uh, my brother-in-law preached because uh, I was at home, uh, recovering from my kidney surgery, um, or my anti-kidney surgery, uh, got that removed, and uh, I was thankful uh, for this Father's Day to be here with you. Um, it's it's interesting, I was telling someone earlier, there's a bit of anxiousness in my heart uh, every Mother's Day, you know, uh, you don't want to blow it on Mother's Day. If you're a pastor, you do not want to blow it on Mother's Day. Um, and if you're a husband, you don't want to blow it on Mother's Day either. Um, there's no anxiousness in my heart today for some reason. Uh, Father's Day is different for me, even preaching. Uh, I want to tell you this, though. I, I think about fathers, and uh, I've talked to many of you and about money and various other things. But you know that feeling when you're a kid and you really don't understand money? Did it say starting route to heaven? Uh, <laughs> Siri, take me to heaven. Uh, um, that's so funny. I love it because especially the men of Bear Valley Church, I don't know about you ladies, they have no clue how to use their phones. Like uh, in, our, uh, in our man's Bible study, everyone's always going, oh, I need to get this thing to stop talking, you know. Meant to have dominion over it, but we can't. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, the, the feeling of a child, you remember the, the first time you paid, and, and, and you're trying to figure out how money works, and, and you're standing there, and uh, you're wondering if you have enough money because you don't want to come up short. You don't want to, you're counting out your nickels and your dimes and, and your pennies and your dollars and your, you know... Uh, the dime's kind of confusing, isn't it? It's not the right size. It's not the right size. And uh, anyways, um, and, and you don't want to have that embarrassment of coming up short. And I, I know as men, uh, that's that same feeling we have as being a husband and a father. We don't want to come up short. We don't want that feeling, not just with money, but with other things too. To not be able to fulfill the role that we know we have, uh, whether it's paying or whether it's protecting, whether it's encouraging and raising. Like, we, we don't want to come up short. And yet, uh, I, I know the feeling over and over again, not just as a child of coming up short, but that in the rest of my life as well. And so today, I, I just wanted to talk to you about loving leadership as a husband, as a father, and uh I want to start out with the problems of fatherhood, but before, before we get rolling, I'd like to pray and just ask that God would use this time 
powerfully in all of our lives, but especially in the Father's lives here today. God, uh, thank you uh, for your beautiful plan uh, of all of creation uh, from beginning and to the end that you're going to bring this to you, but also the beautiful creation of the family that you knew that Adam, it wasn't good for him to be alone and that you brought him that, that perfect counterpart to him of Eve and of husband and wife, that they would come together and that there would be children and that, that those children would include the generations that would come after and those would grow up and that you would give them a father and a mother to um, guide them and direct them and to show them the way and grace and mercy and that you would um, do your plan of uh, salvation and that you would care for us in the church. And God, we're just amazed at all that you do. Um, God, I ask for encouragement today from your word. Help us to understand it deeply. And uh, may we, uh, in humility, walk with you and uh, embrace the, the joy uh, of all that you've entrusted us with, but also the grace to accomplish it. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start with the problems of fatherhood. And uh, I want to tell you that if I asked you, uh, ask, maybe if I asked you as mothers, what are the problems of fatherhood, you might be able to come up with a good list. I want to tell you that you wouldn't come up with a complete list. I think that if the men got together and said, asked that question, what are all the problems of fatherhood, you could, we could make a pretty amazing list. But I think it's important to know that there are things in the scripture that will help us, will help us understand uh, why we're failing, how we're failing, and really what the difficulties of the, the task, the role of being a father are. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, a, a passage that, that really starts things out as uh, really the, one of the major problems of fatherhood. It doesn't seem like a problem, but it is. It says this, uh, and as most of you know, Genesis chapter 1, the creation account, um, the literal six-day creation account, I say that for a purpose, but we're not going to talk about it this morning. Um, on, the, on that sixth day, it says this, then, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock um, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27 says this, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, Okay. And, and in that, I, we're not going to talk about it this morning, but male and female. He created these two, uh, a woman and a man, to be together and to be different, but the same. And so uh, that is God's creation of mankind. And I want to encourage you, just as a side note here, think that way. As you look throughout the world in our progressive culture, thinking they're inventing things, uh, 
male and female, that's all. That's all there is. Um, but, but in that, did you see that he gave man a role, a role, a job to do? And uh, a job description, right? Uh, what is that job? Uh, he says, dominion, dominion. He says in creation to man, he says, be in charge, be in charge over all that's on the earth. Uh, if, if, I, if I picked any one of you out here today and I said, you're in charge, if, if God spoke to you and said, you're in charge, how would you feel? How'd you feel? I, I know how most of you feel. You said, I love being in charge. I love it. So then I can do whatever I want, especially if you're older siblings. You're just bossy by birth, bossy by birth. And you're just always looking to be in charge. Some of you think, you know, um, a lot of times when you have little ones and, you know, uh, toddlers or even elementary school kids that are really bossy and uh, a grandma's around, she'll say, oh, what a good little leader they are. It's not a compliment. It's not a compliment, okay? And when you see this word dominion, and you can imagine that Adam said, great, I'd love to be in charge. And you can imagine that Adam saw himself above, and he was above by creation. This is God's beautiful plan, is that Adam was to be above all of creation. And that, the you know, the crowning... Uh, creation of all that God did was this man and woman. They were to be in charge. And that sounds all great and everything, but as you go through the book of Genesis, real quick, real quick, chapter three comes. And what happens is Adam sins and sin enters the world and sin touches everything. And so, um, it's this interesting picture uh, for Adam. And this is one of the problems of father, fatherhood. Is that you're supposed to be in charge, but nothing in all of creation wants you to be in charge. It's interesting to watch uh, babies. The, one of the first things they do is they tell their parents in you know verbal but non word type things. I am in charge. I am in charge. It's interesting too that as you look out uh, your property, your property, you say, I- I'm going to put you in order. I'm going to put you in order my property. And, and you look away and the weeds grow like this, right? You know, you say, ah, oh, weed whacked. Doesn't look like you weed whacked. You know, I, I watered. Yeah, maybe last week you did, but it doesn't look like it now. And so what you see here in chapter 1 is a job of dominion to be a ruler, a controller, over, steward. But the one thing missing is God does not say you are sovereign. You're sovereign. You have dominion, but you're not sovereign. I'm sovereign. You're, you have dominion. I gave you a job, but I'm still in control of you. I've gave, given you a job to be in control, and you say, great, I love being in control. 
but God is still sovereign over you. And so there's this struggle. And this struggle says this, that man, you're in charge, but every living creature is fallen and is against man's dominion. And so life is hard. Life is hard. It's tough to control that which you've been called to control. It's tough to lead. It's tough to be a steward. And especially a steward under God's leadership of you. It's easy to do your own thing. It's not easy to, to serve the Lord as you're called to be in charge. Which brings us to second, the second thing. And I, I want to say that there's a little bit of uh, uh, this comes first and then this comes as a result. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 it says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Piece of cake, right? Piece of cake. Uh, God has placed a father to be the father of his children. And in that relationship, uh, he is called, he is called to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's not the Sunday school teacher. It's not the youth pastor. It's not the teacher at school. It's not the aunts and uncles, and it's not the grandparents. It's the role, parents, father. Piece of cake, right? Well, then why did he say in verse 4, do not provoke your children to anger? Why? Why was there this specific warning? Why was there this specific command? Well, because what do men do when they seek to lead. How, how do most men seek to bring their, their leadership structure to anything they're called to lead? Uh, let me uh, add another scripture to this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a similar thing. He could have said, husbands, love your wives, period. But why does he say, and do not be harsh with them? I I have to think that as part of the leadership role that God has given men, they struggle at times. And what do they struggle with? They struggle with their selfishness getting in the way and doing it their way, leadership their way. As you think about this, um, these warnings are very similar in their role as fathers to their children, but also as husbands and in their relationship with their wives. Do not be harsh with them. Do not provoke them to anger. Men are supposed to be in charge, but not in a sense of uh, doing it their way, you know, grabbing it and, and, and forcing things to their will. I've said this often, but I remember talking to a carpenter, and uh, he, he said, I said, you know, how do you, how do you do this? And he says, one of my main rules of carpentry, he was a framer, okay, a different, different thing than necessarily a carpenter. A framer is a different animal. Uh, he said, cut it long and hammer it home. <laughs> and I said, what? And he said, oh, yeah. And if it doesn't fit, 
get a bigger hammer. And I remember thinking, if it doesn't fit, get a bigger hammer. Wouldn't you get a saw? You know? And, and as I see this, I see men are called to lead, but lead in a different way. And they're supposed to be very careful uh, in their relationship with their children and their relationship with their wives. This is God's way of doing things. And, and even as I share this this morning, you say, well, I didn't do it that way. I know, because you did it your way. And what we're looking at this morning is God's plan, God's will for your life, what it looks like to be a godly man. Is that we would not be provoking, we would not be uh, harsh, but we would be leading, leading. And what does that look like? Which brings us to really the last portion of the problems of fatherhood that I want to talk about is fatherly failures. And I've already spoken of this briefly, but their own desire is really the, the highlight of fatherly failures. It's at the core of what it is to fail as a father. In James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, I, I want you to see this. Um, and this is, tells us a lot about sin, how sin comes about. It says this, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? Devil made me do it. Yeah, devil's an enemy. He's always there. But as he, James describes the path of sin, he says, your own desires are at the, the, the path, in the path. They're at the core of you designing and, and going after and, and embracing sin. It's enticed by his own desires. Verse 15. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. As you look at this, you realize that at the heart of fatherly failure is our own desires, is our own desires. And without the, the gracious confronting of the Holy Spirit, God's work in our life through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will fashion our life after our own desires, and you say, well, what's wrong with getting it your way and having life and setting up your castle and, and, and really making the, the criteria of whether you do something and don't do something is it whether you want to do it. And I want to say this. What happens with that kind of life, I just do whatever I want to do, where does it end up? When fully grown brings forth death and I think that most of us can see where our sinful life has brought about death to our own life, to the life in our marriage, and also to our children. And so we, we find uh, many, many points of evidence of fatherly failures, fatherly failures. Um, I, I speak authoritatively on this. <laughs> Not, not just because of the scripture says so, but I could give you testimony of my own life, of where my desires have brought about hurt and pain, death, 
both to my own life, to my marriage, but also to my children. And so this, these three things, this idea of given a job of dominion in a, uh, a sinful world, uh, this harsh, harshness and frustration that, that men, uh, you know, when, when the world doesn't line up and obey them, they, they tend to get harsh and they tend to grab things and, and try to force their will. And then just simply that selfish desires, uh, we place that at the center of our lives and those desires give birth to sin and sin grows up and brings about death to our lives and the lives of those near us. I want to help you today, men. I want to to turn the corner. Some of you say, well, why did I come for this again? I thought it was Father's Day, you know. Thought I'd get what I want. And the first three points didn't sound all that great, Pastor. Uh, I, I, I want to share the reality of the, the struggles that we struggle with, but now I want to turn the corner and really share with you how we can live differently. And I, I want to tell you, it's God's plan that you would live differently. And you say, well, I didn't plan on that. It, you're not sovereign. You have a role. You have an important role. That God's given you. But to do it well, to do it rightly, to, that there would be fruit and benefit for the generations to come, you can't do it your way. You can't do it your way. You have to do it God's way. Which brings us to successful fatherhood. Um, and, and, and I title this point here, Piles of Grace. Piles and Piles of Grace. Uh, how much grace do you need? How much grace? Piles of it. Piles of it. Um, it, it, It's interesting, and I think women struggle with this more. Uh, Men tend to not have consciences. Um, They, uh, I I, I don't know why I said that, but like, it just seems like more, the more women I've talked to, the more women I've talked to, they struggle with the guilt of the past more. I think men can too. I think that it's easier to, to struggle with those things in your older years. You, life slows down and you reflect more and you think back to that day and that time. And the, the problem with failure of the past, I, I know most of you know this already, is you can't go back. You can't go back. It's like those movies that, that talk about that high school game, whether it be football or basketball or baseball or one of those other sports that nobody cares about. Um, but um, there's, that, there's that championship game. It's the fourth quarter. It's the ninth inning, whatever it is. And, and there's that one play, and you're finally in the game, and the game's on the line, and you strike out. And you lose. And everybody knew it was you. You missed the shot. It was an air ball, right? It could have won the game, but it didn't. You know, you fumbled the pass. Like there was, there was all these things that, and, and we feel like that as men. We realize there's a day, there's, you know, we want it to be a highlight reel from ESPN, but it's not. It's the bloopers, right? Uh, the, 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 the history of my parenting is, you know, greatest bloopers, right? Uh, the days that I failed. And, and the problem with that is this, that you can't go back. 
It really happened. It really happened. And the problem with family, I know you know this already, the problem with family is they were there, right? They were there. And a lot of times uh, they bear the scars of what you did and how you failed. Sometimes it's a season, but sometimes it's a day, but all, all these things, you know, how in the world do you go back? How do you deal? How do you move on from such failures? Romans chapter 5, verses 20 and 21 says this. Now the law came to increase the trespass. I want to go over that, but we'll just keep reading. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, Some of you have this idea that you failed miserably in some kind of sin and now you can just be good or as more appropriately said, be gooder, right? Right? than you were before. You can be good. You can somehow, I I did this wrong thing. Now I'm going to do this right thing. And this right thing, I'm going to do more of the right thing. It will cancel out the wrong thing. I I want you to see there. It says, why did the law come? The Ten Commandments. Why, Why did God share his heart on what you should not do so that you could be righteous? No. To increase the trespass. And, and some of you struggle with what that is. We've gone over this in Romans a long time ago. But this idea of, of how does the law, it, it makes it more sinful because now you know it. Now you know it. And, and I think that sometimes we read the Bible and we say, well, I want encouragement. But, but sometimes as we read the Bible, we just see more where we're a sinner. And I want to tell you, you can't be good enough to cross off those sins that you've committed. You can't be. And so it says, what does it say? Sin increase, sin increase, grace abounded all the more. There's this corresponding, sin has its power, grace is more. And it says this, as sin reigned in death. What's that rain? You could almost use the word dominion, right? You could almost say the word dominion. Sin had dominion over you. Had dominion over you. It was ruling over you. It was in control of you. But Romans teaches us, not just in this passage, but throughout. In verse 21, so that sin reigned in death Grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The, the law showed us sin in, in a greater way. We couldn't be better. We couldn't be better. But because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, grace reigns in your life. Grace is over you. The, the love that God poured out in his son Jesus has covered your sins. And I want to tell this to you fathers. The grace of the gospel covers your failings as a father. It's because of his grace. 
He's got you. And his grace now reigns in your life. Um, I want to tell you, and and many of you uh, struggle with this and guilt and shame, I I just want to say that grace is the only way to go. It's the, the only way to move on. It's the only way to now continue to be the father that God wants you to be. I've shared this with you before, but one strikeout begets another, right? If you strike out once, it's easier to strike out twice, right? And not even try. And many of the times looking, right? As, as you strike out looking, it, it just looks worse and worse as things go on. I want to say the only way to move on past your failings as a father is by the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, we see first that we need piles of grace, that, that God's grace found in his son Jesus is the only way for us. Which brings us to the second point, uh, and it goes back to the harshness element we looked at before, that we need to replace harshness with loving leadership. In Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, and many of you know this. These are the brothers with the, the mother coming to Jesus and how to be great and how to be a great leader. And I, I hope that, men, as you think about your home and your relationship with your wife and your children and your grandchildren, that you realize that God's called you to be a leader. He has called you to be a leader. And you say, well, I don't know if I'm really fit for leadership. And I want to say you're not in yourself. In fact, uh, you're ill-equipped and you should never lead anything, right? But you have that role, you have that role, that God-given role, and also the grace to get there. So anyways, uh, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus tells them about leadership, what it looks like. He, and it's not leadership like you're going to read in the books on Amazon, right? It's not the the bestseller. It's not the business books on how to make gazillions and run people. It's not about that. It's different. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, it says this, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever must be first among you must be your slave. The next next section there, uh, yeah, it says this, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You have to replace the harshness, the, the, the you know, what does it say in there? Lording over. Uh, how does the world, how does the world lead? How does the world lead? How do presidents lead? How do CEOs lead? How do coaches lead? Right? And it's not all coaches. It's not all presidents. At all. Yeah, it is. But, um, uh, and CEOs. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, uh, there's this, there's this template. There's this template. You know, in the military, how do they lead in the military? So you've been in the military. You know, it's all about rank, right? And if you're above somebody, what can you do? You can order them around. 
And if they don't do what is ordered, what do you do? You can shame them. And some have said shame and blame is the method of the, the day. And, and, and I want to tell you, men, you can do that in your home. It might even work. You, you might be able to lead that way. You might be able to get your, your family in order that way. You might be able to have it your way. Your kids might get good grades. They might succeed in sports and get to go to that college you want them to go to and get a good job and be able to perform. But there's, Jesus says, I, I have a way that goes, but, but listen to what it says there. Uh, verse 25, he says, you know about the, the rulers of the Gentiles, and the Gentiles being the ones who, who don't follow after the God of the Bible. They don't, they don't follow after the one true God. You know, what's true of the Gentiles is they don't have a God. They are a God, right? They are a God to themselves. And, and, and men, we can quickly jump into this, right? We say, well, I'm God here at home. I'm God of my life. I'm doing whatever I want. I'm telling my wife what I want. I'm telling my kids what I want. And I'm in charge. He says this. The Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them. You know what that is? It's domineering. It's domineering. It's acting like a sovereign in your own home. He says there's, there's a different way to do this. Verse 26, it shall not be among you, uh, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be a servant, and whoever uh, would be first among you must be a slave. Two words, servant, slave, a little bit different, service, but also lowliness. And then Jesus says, and I, I did that. And he, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I, I just want to say this. Men, if you want to replace harshness with loving leadership, come to serve. Come to serve. As you think about your family, uh, as you think about your relationship with your wife and kids and your grandkids, come to serve. Come to serve. And if you want to be a powerful leader, come to serve more, right? And, and what it is, it's not just you know, slaves. It's the idea of a slave who loves to serve. It's a servant who loves to serve and thinks about the ones they're serving, and so I, I want to encourage you men as you think about your, your roles. I'm sorry I'm saying this in front of the ladies and kids here too, by the way, men. Sorry about that. You'll get over it. Um, maybe. Uh, but, but as you think about you coming home from your job, come to serve. Come to serve. How can I serve today? And as you think about setting up your home how can I serve my wife? How can I serve my kids? How can I serve my grandkids? This is what it is to lead. And so we replace harshness with loving leadership. Um, we move on. Uh, third point in successful uh, fatherhood. And in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 14 and 15, you will see, you can see, that we need to walk and depend on our Heavenly Father. This particular passage doesn't say walk and depend, but it's this joyful, joyful, amazing riches we have in what? Our relationship because of Jesus with the Father. Listen to what it says. 
for, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We won't go into it much, but I just want you to see that the transformation of the gospel is this, that you went from being an orphan, you, you went from being someone outside of having uh, the protection, love, care, provision of a father to now being adopted into the family. And, and, and adopted in this closeness of, of full, uh, you know, being that child, that, that son or that daughter with him and, and having all those things. In Galatians, it talks even about inheritance. But, but in this passage, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And you think about that. Why does he say cry, Abba, Father? Why is that such a big deal in this adoption that we receive the gospel that we come in. Why is it such a big deal? Is this that we had no one to cry to? We, we as a child, you know, orphans have no one to go to. They have no one to protect them. And I want to tell you, men, as you're a father, you have someone to cry to. You have someone who's a father to you. If you have Jesus Christ. And so the, the, I want to say in all this, fathers, if you don't have Jesus and you're trying to be a father, you're without resources. You're, you're without a picture. And, and, and if you're a father of any age, there's this thing of the, the greatest resource I can have is my relationship with my heavenly father. There's a sense in this passage of I, I can't believe the riches that I have. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. And I want to tell you, that's what it is to know Jesus. That's what it is to be forgiven of our sins. I want to end with this. John 15, 13. And this is how this works. This is how you become a successful father. And, and Jesus shared this and and. He reiterated it. John reiterates through inspiration of God and the picture of Jesus in various places in his writings. But in, in verse 13, it's probably the clearest. It says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And the idea of friends is that the ones that I love, the ones that I love. And I want to tell you, men, your identity your, your identity or your role is not just to be yourself. It's not just to have your way. It's to be in your home a husband and a father. And what does that look like? Maybe, maybe even better, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost? Jesus said this as he looked to going to the cross. He said this, to lay down his life, to lay down his life. And I want to tell you, there, will, there might be that day, right, to take a bullet, right, to jump up, take a bullet. But chances are it will be every day. It will be every day for you to lay down, as we talked earlier from the book of James, 
as we talked about that, that idea of our own desire, it's to lay down our own desire of what we want, our own agenda, that we might be that loving leader for our wives, our children, our grandchildren. There's two things here. There's the problems of fatherhood and our lack of resources, but there's also an opportunity for success that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you men are encouraged today. I hope you're reminded of your role. I hope you're, you're considered your treasures and your blessing that God has blessed you with. I hope you look at your uh, older kids and uh, you, you, you see the grace of God in their lives, that those dumb things that you did when you didn't know you were, you were doing and you're acting like, God is good, isn't he? He's good and gracious. And we look uh, to these little ones and we keep working, right? We keep working to be the fathers that God wants us to be. Let me pray for you dads. God, thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for uh, what you've shared with us from your word. God, I I, I do pray that for the men here today that you would um, excite them at the role that they have. Uh, that they would uh, seek to be the loving leadership that was embodied in your son Jesus, our Savior. Uh, I I pray that you would remind them of the grace that's needed, that they would not do this in self-effort, but that they would do this uh, in response to their relationship with you, their Heavenly Father. God, thank you for each one here. Grow us to be a church uh, that loves you and has strong families because of uh, what Jesus has done. We thank you in his name. Amen.